Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. This is Doug Doherty. I'm from Center Country, Norman, Oklahoma. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha, Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Week 7, Team Seekers. Week 7, we're finishing up our treasure hunts. So in this class, let's begin to wrap up some of your ahas around Chapter 1's exercise, number 5, The Long Lost Treasure Hunt. Marsha, they're chomping at the bit. It's time to get into it. Right. <laughs> Are you asking about my biggest surprise, Soul? <laughs> yeah. And- well, my biggest surprise was that because basically all I really have to go by is many memories, I remembered something that had to do with the loss of a relationship that was a great friendship. We're still friends, but in such a different way. All the feelings that were attached to that, I was surprised. I think I had been processing this for, for ever since it happened. It just surprises me today that the way I see it, the, my perception of had, it, had I not done what I did, had I not changed, decided to move on, I, it would have been completely different for me. 
I realized that the divine was guiding me through that whole process. So that that was a good feeling to know, to get to. Wow, Marsha, that's huge. How about if we throw that out to the team seekers? What type of question do you want to ask team seekers? How have your thoughts, attitudes, and perspectives changed since going through the treasure hunt? Did that make sense? So what changed? What feelings, what perspectives, what attitudes, what thoughts? Or, frankly, did anything change? Cindy, did anything change as you were doing this treasure hunt? This made me realize that I, had a, I needed to really declutter. Even though I moved from a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom apartment, I still had a lot of stuff I have to sort through and get rid of. That's what it made me realize, that I still have too much stuff. So is your perspective about how you live life changing then, that you might be trying to simplify more? Yes, I definitely want to simplify more. I want to live a more simpler life, for sure, yes. Okay. And how about your feelings about your stuff? Did you find yourself getting perplexed, angry, happy, sad? Is there a particular feeling that changed as you were working through this? Relieved. I felt a good sense of relief. I, it felt good to get rid of a lot of that stuff and to have my, uh, my room looking so much neater and cleaner. I had more space. Mm-hmm. It felt mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yum. Agnes, how about you? Anything particularly change about the way you think about things or how you see things or how you feel about things this week as you went through the treasure hunt? I don't think that material things are that important. I think that relationships and uh, friends are more important. And did that become more apparent to you as you did this yes, exercise? Or? So, um, I think so. And I'm going to live a more simple life. I'm not going to put so much emphasis on um, getting stuff. And that takes some stress out of the equation, doesn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Tonya, what's percolating for you in that ego dance that's happening? (laughs) Uh, Yes, well, it's a lot of contrast, some of it physical, some of it mental, my thought process. I have noticed every day this week, whenever I begin this process, it is a process, so I've been working on it daily. When I step in my house, around my material possessions, my nervous system physically gets irritated. I notice it's like I'm hopped up on caffeine. I get very nervous, very stressed out, and that's because of the clutter around me. I know what it is. It's because of the clutter around me, and as I begin to declutter, I'll get one corner or one room or one section decluttered, and I feel freedom. I feel expansion, and my nervous system settles down. It eases a bit. That's the material side of it, something that I've noticed also that really don't like, but sometimes we don't like the pains of growing up, and that's basically what this is, is growing up. What I've experienced that really don't like is what my ego has been torturing me with. I've noticed I've become, or I've wanted to become, more disconnected from my relationships. 
I've wanted to stop talking to people. I've wanted to stop engaging at all. I just wanted to run and hide. And I recognize that right away as ego. When the pressure is really turned on, I want to run and hide. I want to hurry up and get it over with. And then at the same time, I know that it's not going to be a job well done if I just hurry up and go through the motions. And I know that I'm headed, as long as I keep walking the path, walking the journey, and I have you all around me as a support system, I know that I'll get there. Make sense? Tonya, it makes sense, and you're bringing up something that maybe we need to revisit. Okay. Cindy, Agnes, Tonya, did you find your analyzer kicking in more than your explorer this past week? What tipped you off that your analyzer got busy and told your explorer to go away? What tipped me off was, interestingly enough, it was my nervous system. I felt, I physically felt the stress. I physically felt the panic, the anxiety, the need to figure stuff out. And that's what tipped me off, that it must be the analyzer. And I also felt that the lack of freedom, the lack of childlikeness or playfulness mm-hmm. or creativity, mm-hmm. it seemed like that all went away. And I know in reality, in my reality, I know it didn't go away. I know, I mean, the the analyzer was just bullying the explorer. And, and so I, I took action, brought the analyzer back under control sometimes up to several times a day. I consciously took breaks, broke away from everything that I was doing to just go explore, go explore in nature, go just kind of cut away from everything. Mm-hmm. I hear the analyzer in your voice too, Cindy. There's a lot of judgment about your stuff. When I hear judgment or I sense judgment, I equate that to analyzing. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I never really thought about it that way. When I was going through my stuff, I just didn't even think about whether I was an analyzer or explorer. I think now that you brought it up, the analyzer, it made me feel like, wow, what a lot of work this is. This is not fun. I mean, usually when I'm an explorer, things are more fun to do. You enjoy it. But when I'm analyzing it, it seems like it's more of a chore what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agnes, have you uh, found your analyzer a little busier than usual? I'm not sure because I'm not, don't exactly understand the analyzer and the explorer. Maybe I'm just in the middle. Okay. A great way to know if your analyzer is on board is there's a judgment. This is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. This is in. This is out. This is old. This is new. The analyzer has to have a judgment. It would be more analyzing. Mm-hmm. Whereas our explorer is like, oh, okay. I always flash back to when I, I was watching, really observing a two-year-old nephew of mine playing. And it reminded me how at that age... There was no start or stop to anything. It's all fluid. One minute, 
the nephew was playing with this, then the next minute the, the attention was diverted here and then there, and then there was no starting, there was no stopping, there was no concluding, there was no wrapping up. It was just flow. Kids do that, don't they? Yep. Yes. Yes, at that age they don't have anything to worry about yet. It's just all fun and play. Mommy and Daddy is taking care of me, and my family thinks, oh, I'm, oh, I'm so cute. Everyone can't just wait to see me and play with me and have fun with me. No responsibilities there. Too young to expect any of that. No expectations. Well, so when we get hung up in our analyzer, especially on the journey that we're on, you all might start feeling, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Ah! <laughs> On that comment, I have to say this because maybe someone else has felt this way, but there have been a couple of times this week that I've had that thought, what in the hell have I gotten myself into? And I've even wanted to pick up the phone and ask you if I could get a refund. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but that's, that's yep. Not, I mean, it was like red flags up everywhere. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. It's time to go exploring. It's time to put my analyzer away and go exploring. That's key. That's really key. On our journey, I'm going to continue to remind you of your ground rules. I'm going to continue to remind you of paying attention to what I call, and, and this is something Marsha will talk about more also, our chaos committee. And to me, the chaos committee are the voices inside my head, and those voices are coming from the judge, the perfectionist, the critic, the controller. The judge, the critic, the perfectionist, and the controller. Now, the judge and the critic seem like they might be the same thing, but they're not. The perfectionist, I think we're all aware of, and the controller, the definite buddy of the ego, when you get this chaos committee going, oh, this is really stupid. Oh, this is too hard. Oh, this is that. Oh, this is that. Oh, blah, blah. Doesn't it drown out our explorer's desire to explore? Oh, sure. Yes, it does. Yes, yes. It's not fun anymore. So when it's not fun, what was one of the ground rules that I talked about at the very beginning? If it doesn't feel good... What are you supposed to do? Nothing. Allow that to be okay. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Wait until you can understand it and then do it when you do understand or overcome what you have been going through. Bingo. It's a fine line, isn't it? If I give myself the get-out-of-jail-free card, oh, I don't like this, it doesn't feel good get out of jail free card. I can stop doing what I'm doing. What are the ripples to that? I would feel like I'm procrastinating and the more I decide I don't want to do it, the more I'll continue to not want to do it and I might not get back to what I need to get done. Or you might call soul up and say, this is just wacko. I'm out of here. I'm stopping my payments. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I mean, seriously, when we feel threatened, when I feel threatened, what's the first thing I want to do? I want to strike back, don't I? I would want to defend myself. And one of the things that we are taught to defend is our 
stuff. True? Oh, yes. Yes. It's the great lesson of the terrible tooth. <laughs> what did you say? It is the great lesson of the terrible tooth. <laughs> it's when stuff becomes my stuff. And then we defend it with our lives until we get at a certain age and we go, this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so the way that perspectives are changing, the way that feelings are changing, reminding yourself, we all agree that we're going to be promoting our internal explorers, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. Who else had a problem with waking up their explorer this past week when the Tonya you were aptly calling your bully analyzer was taking over the process anybody else have a bully analyzer on their hands this week certainly I've been poking him to say push the button and talk here <laughs> but I don't really know what to say but all week like other people don't have the luxury that I have because I have a wonderful wife for 27 years my wife knows me very well. She's very much more advanced at dealing with people, but more calm than I am. So all week, she's been trying to say different things so I would get a different perspective on the exercise that we're doing. And it took it, it takes me like about a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a couple lifetimes, and I start to get it. <laughs> Whatever excuse that I want to give you, I don't really have an excuse for wh why that I am the way I am, but I know that I can change it. I, and like I said, I have the luxury of having a wonderful teacher standing here right next to me, so it's easy for me. Especially when you watch her and she's hitting her head against the wall and saying, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and laughing and laughing. And laughing and laughing. There you go. Yay. So, yes, in that answer to that question, he has been having a live problem. But been just trying to laugh because what more can I do? It's just like, when is he going to see this? And he's ranting and raving and everything else. I think maybe he's. Getting it a little bit now. Yeah, watch, watch <laughs> out. Okay, well, remember what I said at the, one of our first gatherings. This journey is about you. I know this is a little tricky because, Rick, Cheryl, you're taking this journey together as a couple. I will gently push that little conversation about Rick needs to take care of Rick and Cheryl needs to take care of Cheryl so that your individual balances aren't kiltered by trying to take care of somebody else. And that can happen here in the team. I've already sensed a few people here on the team kind of like putting aside their own needs to take care of other people's needs. And it's like, well, okay, do you sense a pattern here? And if so, explore it. Don't analyze it. Did that make sense? Yes. It makes a lot of sense. We've always, like, helped each other or helped each other help ourselves. We never really tried to cram our ideology or anything down each other's throat. But okay. we, like, prompt each other to, to stay on the same path, I guess. Cool. It's kind of beautiful. 
when I first came in back into the room, you were talking about the critic and the judge, and I wanted to know if you could expand a little bit about the difference between the critic and the judge. Depth. The judge is wired into your deep belief systems. The judge is, just think of the judge sitting up there at the bench, the judge and jury all in one. The judge is making a final judgment, good, bad, right, wrong, on something fairly deep. The critic is surface. Oh, God, look at the way that person is, dot, dot, dot. Oh, can you believe, dot, dot, dot. Or when you look in your own mirror, and the critic goes, really? (laughs) (laughs) Judge's depth. Critic is knee-jerk, surface, snap. It feels like judgments, but it's forming a judgment. What the critic does is it feeds the judge. Did that make sense? Yes. 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 And the judge, of course, sits at the right hand of the ego. Now, nobody here so far has had any problems with their ego, except for maybe a couple people. (laughs) (laughs) And he's not going to mention any names, right? (laughs) (laughs) You might might have to go to the toes. (laughs) (laughs) And for those listening on our show, I'm sorry to bore you that I know that your ego never gets you into any trouble, so we'll just try and move this along. (laughs) I actually have a question. Is it possible to, through enough work on yourself, make the judge and the critic not necessarily silent, make them in a sense that they do not impede or stop you from doing anything, kind of just make them somebody you put in the back corner? Yes, Marsha. What did we talk about on Team Clarity's last call? The key word was integration as a reminder. Do you remember what we were talking about? A little bit. You might have to refresh my memory, but what I do remember is that we discussed that our judge and our critic, the perfectionist in us, it's a part of us. Rather than try to silence it by telling it to be quiet, go away, we just find a way to give it a, not a raise, but yeah, kind of a raise. We we promote it. Yes, we give it a promotion and we ask it to give us some help rather than tell it to be quiet. So for example, when your judge starts flaring up, when my judge starts flaring up, I'll go, oh, Did you forget you've been promoted to a diplomat? (laughs) When my critic is silly enough to chime in, I'll remind my critic about karma. If I'm going to criticize something, then I'm inviting people to criticize me. Is that what you want? And the critic immediately shuts up. Embracing each of my chaos committees such that, hey, I'm growing, I want you to grow. So, Kareem, to answer your question, this chaos committee all needs to have a job upgrade as we go through this. And one of the ways that we do that with looking at our material possessions, our first month together, to refresh your memory 
of what does this stuff mean to us? How does this stuff make or break our sense of worth? Think about this. With a, a, a more dusted-off awareness about our material world, what do you speculate? How has this helped your sense of worth? How has this hurt your sense of worth? It's been a combination of both because I had kind of a bad attitude towards my wife the other day. Then today we, I made you know everything up to her and stuff. But I realized like, wow, there's a lot of things internally that I, I want to change, and I mean a lot of things. So I think that I really like how I'm learning, and I stop myself, and that I'm gonna be able to stop myself when I get into tonality like that, or I or a wormhole like that where my attitude starts to take that habitual leap into negativity. So I really am appreciative that I have the opportunity to learn so much about myself through this course and change some things. Thanks. I feel that it has really helped bring my sense of worth up because I've realized that the things that I find that I value make my sense of worth go up because of the skills that I've learned from getting them and acquiring them. Also, that they bring out the explorer in me. They excite me. They give me something to look forward to during the day and everything. I think they've really helped me in that I can also share my gift with the world that I produce through them. I'm still digesting the self-worth part of it understanding that self-worth is really perspective and it, it's what you want it to be. That's what it's really taught me is not to really look at other people or other things or, or any society, conditioning, anything like that for your self-worth. You have to really look at yourself and find your self-worth within yourself. And I've been attempting to do that all my life. So, I, and this class is really helping me turn the corner in that process. So I really appreciate the opportunity, like Chris said, also. Thank you. Rick, out of curiosity, is there one particular object, physical object, that's really rattled you about who you sense you are? I kept this aortic graft from an aorta that I sewed on from 20 years ago. I sterilized it and kept it in my drawer. It's probably one of the most prized physical objects that I have because I sewed it, this Gore-Tex graph, into a person. They actually lived and have a life. Then I realized that why am I carrying this around and why do I have so much emotion tied into it? Because it's the only thing that I have to really represent anything that I've done in the medical field over the last 30 years, one piece of Gore-Tex. So it really, really sort of like shook me like to the core to realize that like all the years of study and all the years of pain and suffering that I've put in in the surgical suite, I have really nothing to show for it. And that's what I really valued is the skill to help people to do surgeries. So I'm going through that in a sense. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because you're bringing up, Rick, a nuance to our material world that we'll get into in the next few minutes. But in a nutshell... Our material world is like a photo album or a scrapbook, isn't it? Yes. When we want to show other people our lives, 
We'll bring out the yearbook. We'll bring out the scrapbook. We'll bring out the photo album. We can show people, oh, look at this. Look what happened. Look at these achievements. Look at these events. Look at these trips. Look at these whatevers, right? Yes, right. Absolutely. It's an affirmation of who we think we are, right? Yes. Definitely. If we don't have that, if we have, quote, nothing to show for it, Rick, you were saying, without that graph, you sense you had nothing to show for it. And I'm, I'm puzzled with your statement because there are people living healthier lives because of what you physically did with physical things, but because those people aren't in your house, <laughs> those aren't your chairs and your dishes and your physical stuff, out of sight, out of mind, is that what I'm hearing? Well, it's sort of a weird thing because when I worked and was a blood drawer, like people would thank you for not hurting them. But when you do surgery, you never really get thanked from a person that was in a coma while you're kicking their gallbladder out or fixing their leg or something. So you never really get the satisfaction of actually helping someone. You never see them helped. You see, oh, yeah, their leg's fixed. That's about it. So it's sort of a weird situation. And each time you've used the word you, you're actually talking about yourself, right? I, yes. Okay, just checking. I'm kind of along the same lines as Rick in that I find very little worth in things here. But I, through this process, I have looked back at a lot of memories, like different things I've done in the past, that whether accomplishments or disappointments, whatever, but it's generally memories not physical things. I understand what he meant about those being a little bit ethereal and hard to grab onto because of our experiences. I mean, you said yourself out of sight, out of mind. It's not that they're out of mind, but you can't, it's not something you can hold in your hand, relate to and bring up the emotions on as easily as you can they are in your head because they're not as solid. Just as real, I mean, I find far more emotion in some of the memories I have of things I've done in previously than I do in the objects I have laying around the house. But even those, as time goes by, you know, some of the details slip away or some of the impact slips away. Looking for new experiences is one of the ways I've always kept life alive. I'm trying to, I'm not sure what I'm trying to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the issues that you bring up in your blog postings, and I really appreciate all of your blog postings. Folks, if you haven't visited Doug's blog recently, I highly encourage you to do so. You mentioned how you're just feeling detached from all of your stuff. For me, detachment is a positive, not a negative. So for me, feeling detached from my stuff helps my sense of worth such that should something happen to whatever that stuff is, my sense of worth is not going to be dinged or plummeted or shocked or rattled. On the flip side, though, I can understand how not feeling anything about things could damage your sense of worth, Doug, specifically, because you personally want to start feeling more. Yeah? Yes. It's not wrapped up in stuff, though. I guess the last blog post I did was more about just feeling, I don't know, a little lost, I guess, just feeling like, you know, where's the meaning in my life? 
My wife called it midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this has made me think when I started looking around the house, and we've got lots of stuff. We've done well. We're not hurting for anything. It's just that none of it means anything. And my past experiences, I love the accomplishments I've done. I'm jack of all trades. I've done many different things that most people never do. But again, it's all in the past. Where I am now and where I'm going to be, searching for meaning, I don't know what to do with it. I'm just at a place in my life where nothing seems to mean anything. I shouldn't say that because I have a lot of wonderful things in my life, my family, my friends. Well, let me reframe things, folks. The reason why I'm bringing up Doug's perspective here is, remember how early on we talked about this concept of worth decay? Anybody want to refresh anybody's memory of what I said worth decay is comprised of? Maybe I got too etheric for everybody. (laughs) I don't think I've heard this before, so I'm interested. Okay. Is it fair to say that worth decay, feeling worth less? If someone walks into my home and they scan my home and the stuff that they see in my home or the car that I drive or the clothes that I wear or the jewelry that I am or am not wearing, whatever material item that can be touched, tasted, sought, found, when I'm judged by someone else, a material aspect of my life, and I allow that judgment to diminish my sense of worth, that's worth decay. And the beginning of our journey, I'm focusing on our material world because by and large, Chris, is it fair to say from early on in your process, do you recall early on how family, friends, might have focused on what you were wearing or where you lived or some material part of your world, they focused on that? Yeah, and they thought that because I didn't have a vehicle or that I deliver news for a living and all that other crap, that I wasn't as worthy as somebody who works 50 hours a week. There was a lot of that, you're right. Yes, sir. So our beginning journey here, It's important for us to get a sense, a refreshed sense of what is our material world like? What meaning does our material world have on a day-to-day sense of awareness and worth? And if something happens to something, like if my car gets in an accident, if somebody rips off my favorite prized whatever, does that throw me into a tailspin? Does that diminish my sense of worth? And if it does, then I become more susceptible to be taken advantage of. True? Yep. True. Where am I going with this? Let's do some extrapolating. Any guesses? That it's none of our business when anyone thinks of us, and it's only our business what we think of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Good start. Go deeper with that. I determine my own worth. It's up to me to be conscious of that determination. Whatever somebody else may want to input, I can choose the level of importance it has. In other words, I can choose my reaction or my action. But it requires consciousness. It requires that I pay attention to what I'm paying attention to. If anybody is valuing us and our worth by our stuff, 
then they're judging us from the wrong perspective. Keep going. Keep going. We're getting there. Keep going. I'm just not defined by my material world. So my worth is more than material. It's based on my whole life experiences as well. I choose my value, the value I place on my material world. I place my value on that. It's my conscious choice of what value I place on that. What helps me to feel good, what helps me to feel worthy, is to look around my world and see the gifts I've been given and to feel the gratitude from that and to choose to feel good in my surroundings, to feel good with what I have, and to feel really good about what I don't have as well. It's each person's choice themselves, how they're going to take in other people's comments or look. Each person has to assess each one and say, hey, I'm going to take that in or I'm just going to repel that. I'm not going to go for that opinion of me because that will just take your self-worth down really fast if you go with all the other, shall we say, critics out there (laughs) that are letting their critic just sounds to me like what you're looking for is if we were to lose all of this stuff completely, can we be at a place where we still feel the same way about ourselves as we do with all the stuff? Ding, 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 ding. We have a bingo winner here, ladies and gentlemen. We have a bingo winner here. Step on down and claim your prize. Do I win more stuff? (laughs) Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Because for the past couple of centuries, we've been ingrained, we've been taught that our value, our material world is a reflection of our worth, right? Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yes. Yes, that is what we are taught. When I release that, when I no longer personally am clinging to any sense of value or worth, on anything that I own from a material standpoint, when I release myself from that, to those people who are vested in the latest fashions, the latest cars, the latest styles, the latest techno gadgets, the latest this is and that, if they can't apply that ruler to me, now what? Speculations? Tonya, do you have any wild ideas on the meta message I'm popping out there? No. No, I am in awe of your words. So, Kareem? I believe your message is that people's perspective of us has no bearing if we do not accept it. I guess I can use the phrase from the Bible, if there is no enemy within, the enemy outside will do us no harm, or do me no harm in this case. Close. Very close. The nuance is there, Kareem. Thank you. Would I not be threatening? Think about this. Marsha, if you're trying to control me, if you want something out of me, you want me to do something, say something, be something for you, you're trying to manipulate and control me. And the only way you know how to do that is through the material world. Maybe you want to give me an expensive gift or take me on an expensive vacation or do something materialistically for me that you think is going to curry my favor with you. And because I've released all of that, That little manipulative ploy doesn't work for this process. What is that going to do to you? (laughs) 
Well, that will put me at a standstill. I'll be sitting there trying to figure out how do I get through to this guy named Soul. How do I get through to you, Soul? I would think that if I wanted something, I could simply ask. Bingo. Might be easier just to ask. Ladies and gentlemen, think about this. As you prepare for exercise six, let's get into that worth passport for just a second. One of the treasures that I'm helping you build on this journey is what's called a worth passport, a 10-page document. Each page represents a one-page summary of what you experienced in each chapter. So you're about to get into your first worth passport page. Marcia, you want to reflect on what it was like for you when you wrote your first one-pager on your treasure hunt? It really was more than one page. In reading all the pages that I wrote, putting it into one page was not easy, but I was able to do that by just looking at the perspectives I really had about myself. So I was able to finally get it to one page. (laughs) I remember trying to whittle it down to one page. That was not easy for me, but I did it. You're creating a diamond, ladies and gentlemen. Marcia and I are helping you polish a diamond your worth passport. This organic document is a reflection of your journey. So as you think about your treasure hunt, as you think about your material world, how it reflects upon you, as you think about how that reflection helps or hurts your sense of worth, you might write 10 pages. Just let it out there, that free-flow, brainstorming, creative writing exercise that I suggested you do on step five of exercise five. Think about now, what did you experience in this second month together as we did this worth inventory of the physical world? And as you pull your one page together, I want to remind you to be the explorer. Any particular reason why I'm suggesting you remember to be an explorer? Anybody? I want to experience it as much as possible, as fully as possible, without looking at anything negative or anything that may be encompassing around that belief. Beautiful. And if I experience something negative, I can explore it without a judgment. By reframing that, a few of you mentioned today that this is turning into work and it's not any fun. We have to address that, ladies and gentlemen. And Marsha... In the midweek call, let's focus on that. When we start feeling daunted by this journey, it's a clear sign we've let the analyzer take control, yeah? Yes, yes. Would you have made it this far, Marcia, if your analyzer was in control? Oh, heck no. (laughs) No, I really do appreciate now lots and lots of time for reflection what is it called where you take the time to just give thankfulness and thanksgiving there's something about that whole process of just being somehow when that kicks in and you just are so grateful for just being able to be just to be in the moment there's something magical about that and something happens to your soul when you're just being Yep. I don't know how to explain it. It's one of those mysterious things that I relish. 
<laughs> I relish that feeling. I don't want my controller to be sitting there analyzing. We don't need to do that to ourselves. Exactly. David, if you want to offer a takeaway before you have to run, please do. My takeaway, Saul, is really I'm a bit blown away. And I'm blown away because I see Marsha kind of hit the nail on the head for me in that I relish as well that sense of just being. Well, the wonderful connection was that now I understand more clearly what it means to come from the explorer place in myself. What a gift. That's my takeaway. Beautiful, beautiful. Like you were mentioning how some of us said that this wasn't so much fun anymore. Regardless, so I don't want you to feel that I meant that I wish I wasn't on this journey. I would have to do this even if I wasn't on this journey. This was something that needed to be done anyway for me. So I've always been happy to be on this journey, just so you know. Yay! Yay! So, Cindy, is it fair to say your takeaway is a refreshed sense of commitment? Yes, that sounds good. Okay. Yum. Doug, how about you? My biggest takeaway is a shift in my perspective on where I want the rest of my life to go. Material things is not it. I've realized that serving others and finding something rewarding and meaningful is much more of a goal than adding more material stuff. Not that I don't like the comforts of the material and not that I'm not going to enjoy those comforts, but I'm looking for the meaning in other things. That's all I have. Hmm, Wonderful. Appreciate that. Chris? Basically just the fact that I can balance both material and spiritual and that Making friends and relationships both for our show and this program is a lot more important than anything material that I have. And putting aside the analytical side, I've been working a lot on doing that so that I'm exploring more than analyzing as well. Thank you, Sol. Mahalo. All right, Rick. What I discovered about myself is it made me look back at what I had discovered when I was about 30-some years old, that I already have purpose to my life and that my purpose is to live and to live every moment to its fullest. And that's what it really reminded me of. Thank you. Mm, Mahalo. Mahalo. Cheryl? I guess what I learned tonight out of the exercise is to not let your possessions rule your life. I know that for myself, I detached a long time ago in order to move to Costa Rica. There's not much choice in it. A lot of people still let their possessions rule their life. I realize that that can be a real detriment, and that's my takeaway. Wow. Awesome. Kareem? I would think my takeaway is that I'm already a walking billionaire after doing my treasure hunt. And after just being outside and seeing all the nature and the people around me and everything that I'm doing in paying me what I'm worth with the power hour and with my music endeavors and realizing that I've infinite worth, even though my bank account doesn't reflect it yet. And your bank account, folks, one of the more interesting things, and we'll get to the wisest one yet, Agnes. Agnes, hang on, we're getting to you. Just for what it's worth, in my mind, if I pooled all the currency 
in the world, all the gold, all the gems, all the artwork, all the furs, all the land, if I pooled everything that we as a species assign value to on a physical worth level, if I pooled it all together, it's still not enough for one life. There's not enough money in the world that equals the value of one of our lives. But that's my biased viewpoint. (laughs) Agnes, you have so many years of wisdom here. I'm curious. What's your takeaway? I was just thinking when you said something about you lost everything, how would you feel? I was relating that to the fact that I used to play the piano and things like that that happened that I can't do that anymore. When I was able to play the piano, I felt that I could do something that a lot of people couldn't do. So now, I don't feel like I'm worth as much, I guess, as I was. Not that the people will think that much less of me, but that I'm thinking that much less of myself, I guess. So I've got a lot of work to do on myself. Well, if you don't mind, I would highly encourage you to take the expiration date off of what you have played. You still can do something I can't do. I can't play the piano. But I can't either anymore. But you know how. I don't. I'm bringing this up because I'm just seeding for our journey into Chapter 2, Skills. Agnes, there's no expiration date on your skills. Yeah, I realize that. I've just got to come up with some things to replace the feelings that I had for the other skill that I had. And we will do that. We will definitely do that. Agnes, why can't you play the piano? It's this muscle problem that I have. The muscles are getting weaker, so it's a physical thing. Okay. Which is part of our concern around worth decay. One of the key items about worth decay is as our ability changes, we could feel worth a little less, and that's what Agnes is pointing out here. Agnes, you're sharing with us that because your physical abilities are changing, the way you used to feel about yourself and how you feel about yourself now is a little less, yeah? Well, it happens that way. Like, for instance, I was recently diagnosed with tachycardia, the heart problem. It makes you realize how quick things can change and the brevity of life in some cases. I need to think more about I guess, how long I've lived instead of how much less I've got to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as we take our journey further together, Agnes, Marcia, is it fair to say that in our next chapter when we start looking at skills, Agnes is going to be pleasantly surprised? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All that experience, oh my <laughs> In exercise six in the book for our worth passport, we have a tip. It shows us what the first paragraph, the second paragraph, and the third paragraph, what you can start it off as. So it will give you a guideline as you write. And most of us, I believe, especially me, I looked at that first paragraph and said, my body, mind, and spirit know I'm worth it because, and we filled in the blank. And I want to just add my aha moment to this conversation, this discussion. 
I looked at myself today and I said, I am worth it. Why am I worth it? There's many reasons why I'm worth it. And although, like Kareem, my bank account does not reflect what I want it to reflect, I believe it will reflect what I want it to reflect one day. And the reason for that is because I see that worth being used for good things in my life and other people's lives. I'm not here to get rich in money. I'm here to use that money to help anybody who wants the help. Maybe that's part of my grand purpose. I don't know, but I see money as a tool to use for things other than myself. And that was part of my aha moment. Are we worth it, guys? Do we want to have our worth? Do we want that balance? Do we want to be paid what we're worth? Can we say we are worth it? I know I'm worth it. Who else is with me? Who's worth it today? I am. I'm with you, Marsha. <laughs> All right. I just want to say thanks for everything, and it's been fun so far. And I enjoy the blog. I enjoy what I'm doing, and I'm excited to see what I can pull together for a team and keep the momentum going to get people paid what they're worth. Rock on. Well, I appreciate that. We start out with the concrete. We start out with our material world. As you get into your one-page summary, I do offer other options than writing words. If you want to write a song, if you sense that a summation of your experience of Chapter 1's treasure hunt is best summarized with a picture, if it is best summarized with a recipe, whatever it is that helps everyone else get a really good understanding of what you experienced out of our Chapter 1's treasure hunt, you're welcome to do it that way. So does that include a poem? <laughs> poem, yes, definitely. Creativity to part of our material world, I think, is a way to bridge into our skills level. And as you know, we're going to be diving into that fairly soon. So, all right, folks, thank you for sticking with us. Any other general questions or housekeeping items to take care of? When you were saying about being creativity using something besides words. That's exactly what I thought of, too. When you mentioned creativity, that's what I was thinking. That's being, like, more creative when we can use more than just words. You're allowing us to express more creativity. Definitely. Definitely. If one person actually videotaped themselves in a dance, and they put the video out on YouTube, and that was their Chapter 1 summary. <laughs> I just also want to mention the fact that don't forget, we have our unedited audios out there as well as our edited audios, and I implore you guys to revisit the call. Every time I revisit the call, I am understanding more and more about myself, and I'm open to so many more different perspectives. It's unbelievable. So I'm enjoying it, and I'm enjoying listening to all of you, so I encourage all of us to revisit the call. Yum, 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 yum. Rick, Cheryl, any other thoughts, questions, swear words, anything you want to 
no swear words today. I wanted to say that I really like that we have the audios of the other classes. I know it's taken me a while to discover that, excuse me, and we're really getting a lot out of listening to the other classes. It is really incredible. You cannot listen to any of the classes without getting so many nuggets. Get your notebook out because you could listen to Team Clarity. They're good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there you go, Cheryl. Oh, you're not you're not saying anything. Okay. I didn't have She's drawing. She doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> well, I so appreciate all your hard work and effort. I know what we're doing can be seen and felt as a chore. As we allow the explorer to play around, it comes to be more fun. So, with that, I bow in gratitude to you, Marcia, for helping co-pilot this amazing group of people through our journey. Thank you. I bow in gratitude back, Sol. And thank you, everyone, for coming. I so appreciate it. Aloha, everybody. Aloha. Aloha and mahalo. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.